Amen. You may be seated. 
Man, today is the day. It's so good to be in the Lord's house to worship and to sing His praises and to lift Him up. And I just, it's good to see all of you this morning. We want to welcome you to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. Again, today is the day to worship the Lord. We want to do that in every way possible uh, through our giving and uh, through our living, every possible way that we can worship Him. We want to do that. But I want to say a special word of welcome to each and every one of you, especially our guest. If you're here today visiting with us, we want you to know that we're glad that you're here. In your bulletin's a little connect card. Looks like this. Hopefully you got one as you come in. And, uh, and so when, if you would take a moment and fill that out and then drop it in the offering buckets. Our offering buckets are located out in our foyers. And so as you leave, if you wouldn't mind dropping your offerings and, uh, all of our guests, if you'll drop your guest card in that bucket, we'd be glad to have an, uh, a record of your visit with us today. But we're delighted. If you have a prayer request that you want to share with our staff, uh, we'll certainly pray for you and pray over these requests. And we do that each and every week individually. So if you have a prayer need that we can share with you and uh, in praying about, you just put that on that card and drop it in the offering buckets. And then certainly we want to pray for our time of giving today. And throughout this week, many are giving online through our website at lindsaylane.org or texting to give. You can text LLBC to 73256, and certainly you can drop your offerings off in our offering buckets out in the foyer. But I want to pray this morning for our service and pray for our offering in time of giving that God would bless it and honor it and use it so that others might come to know Christ. And then just pray for the remainder of this service today that God would be honored by all that's said and done. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to come into your house to worship. Lord, today is the day that you've made. and We do want to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we're glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. And so, Father, we are so privilege to be here today to worship you. And so, God, we want to honor you in all that we sing, all that we say, all that we hear, all that we do. And as we give, God, we pray that you would take our offerings and multiply them and use them so that others might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we pray for Brother Dwayne and our praise team and choir and orchestra as they lead us in worship. We pray for Pastor Andy John as he comes to stand before us to bring your word. And Lord, we pray for one another. If there's one here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, his personal Lord and Savior, Lord, our prayer is that today would be the day that they come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together again. Sing about the wonderful house of the Lord and how much joy we have today. I pray that God has truly ministered to your heart and you can come in here this morning and sing with joy in your heart. Come on. We worship. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea, my God, he holds the victory, there's joy, come on, there's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy. 
sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross. Then he rose up from that grave. My God, till Rolly stole away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout. this morning, God, we thank you. We thank you that you are in this place. God, thank you so much. Will die. 
my goodness, I love coming to church. I'm telling you the truth. I love being here. I hope you love being here too. And it is good to see y'all this morning. Take your Bibles. Turn to 1 John. That's toward the back of the Bible in 1 John. And you can just open to everywhere in 1 John because that's where we'll be. And it is good to see you. If you're visiting here for the first time, we're so glad that you're here for real. We hope you'll fill out a Connect card with us and follow up. And uh, we'd love to reach out, answer more questions you may have about our church. But it's good to be in church this morning. And uh, as the summer moves on, we still have uh, things going on. Until we get to the fall, we've got some really exciting things going on this week. I want to tell you about a couple of those. Uh, first of all, Wednesday night will be what we call family worship. So everybody is coming in here uh, from the children on up. or All of us are coming in here together Wednesday night. And uh, basically what we're going to try to accomplish on Wednesday night is to touch on everybody's preferences throughout the generations on Wednesday night. So you won't get all of what you want, but you'll get a little of what you want. We're going to take that and preach towards how we're all born with preferences, but that's not what all this is about anyway. Amen? Uh, we want to worship God in spirit and truth, and we want you to be here because it's going to be fun, and uh, we hope that you'll be here Wednesday night at 6.30. And then Friday night, the doors open at 6.15. But the service starts at 6.45 for our Night of Champions. Uh, as football season is making its way around, uh, Pat Nix, who is a former Auburn quarterback, and his son Bo Nix, uh, the, the current uh, Auburn quarterback, will be here on Friday night to do a Q&A with us. And then Pat Nix will share his testimony. We have at least six schools and their teams represented that will be coming in Friday night. This is a free event to you, free event to the schools, free event to the community. And we hope you invite people and invite them to come and hear you know, the, the Iron Bowl and football and all this kind of stuff, anytime we mention uh, across the community who's coming, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, that's like, that's really cool. If you're an Alabama fan, you're like, I don't know if I'm coming or not. You know, like, that's the attitude. And as much as, as, much as we talk about uh, the Iron Bowl and football, li listen, church, and here this morning, I would ask you, and I'm serious about this, I would ask you to pray towards Friday night because I know the community is coming in on Friday, Friday night and we're not going to lift up a football player. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Because there's only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. And that's what we're going to tell them about. And I hope that you'll join us in praying towards that evening. And plan on being here and represent your church. Because, man, it's, it's going to be a good night. And really looking forward to it. So I ask you to pray over that. And uh, we'll have a lot of folks coming in. Uh, one other thing I want to mention uh, as, as we make our way through the summer is the last Wednesday night of this month. The last Wednesday night of this month, we are, are giving you a, a holy challenge, a holy risk, if you will, and that is neighborhood cookouts. And we're encouraging you to, in your neighborhood, open your home up, open your backyard up, and invite somebody to come over and have dinner with you and represent the love and the light of Christ. Just let your neighbors know who you are and that if they need anything, you'll be there and that you will pray for them. Uh, and we're not going to meet here. And usually when we say we're not going to meet on campus and do anything on campus, that's when the church says we're off. Well, we're not off. I hope you will join me in inviting and preparing your home to invite a few families over, one family at least, and, and just to get to know your neighbor. I don't know how we can love our neighbor if we don't know who they are. Somebody say amen to that. So we'll be doing that that Wednesday night. And, and I want to share this with you. I got an email this week about that neighborhood cookout. And there's a gentleman that's a new member here, and he and his family have been attending for a while. And, and he travels, and he travels throughout the week. And he said, I don't, I don't even know how we're going to make that happen because with my job, we are, uh, I'm, I'm not here on Wednesday night a lot. It was kind of that idea. And so uh, this past week, he'd been traveling. He gets up early in the morning, and he goes to Cracker Barrel when they open the doors to have breakfast. 
And he said, it's me, and there's a, 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 another a family over here, and then there's one other single gentleman who is, is sitting at a table near me. And he said, as we are sitting there, we begin to make small talk across the aisle. And he said, it hit me that while I cannot be at home for a neighborhood cookout, this is my opportunity right here in this Cracker Barrel for a neighborhood cookout. And he said, so I just invited the guy who's across the aisle to come and sit with me. And he said, and he did. And as he sat across from him, they began to talk and have conversation. And as that conversation became more intentional, he learned that this gentleman's wife had died in the past year. And then he learned that this gentleman was about to complete the sale of family property that had been in his family for generations. And he told me, he said, listen, I don't really feel like I took the necessary steps to accomplish what you want to accomplish with neighborhood cookouts, but I did get his name and I got his number. And he said, we, had, we left on really good terms. And he said, I want you just to pray for Joe. That's his name because he's going through a lot. And I said, man, that's exactly what we're going for. That is a great first step towards a conversation that matters in the future about where our hope comes from and, and about eternal life. And so this morning, to kick off the message, we're going to pray for Joe this morning. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you know exactly who Joe is. And we pray that you give him comfort and peace that passes all understanding. God, that you would minister to his heart and to his life as he goes through this uncertain season where he's selling property and grieving the loss of a loved one. And I pray, oh God, that that conversation that's had from a church member here, Lord, if you would use it to turn his eyes upward, and that he would recognize his need for you, and that he would trust in you as Lord and Savior. And God, if he knows you already, I pray, oh Lord, that you would continue to, by your Spirit of God, guide him into truth and comfort his heart as he goes through this season. I pray and ask, God, that you would bless our efforts to get outside of ourselves and love our neighbors and prepare our home for a simple cookout that could mean so much towards your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, First John, this is the concluding sermon on First John as we have been looking at a series called In Real Life or IRL and how sometimes our life is online and how our life should be according to the Word of God. And First and John speaks a lot about eternal life. It's mentioned, in fact, on all five chapters of First John. You're going to find the words eternal life or forever. As it is the purpose of First John to be evangelistic, to reach to those who do not know the Lord and to reach to those who know the Lord to affirm their salvation and assure what they have is real. And usually if we're speaking of eternal life, we think of eternal life as life that doesn't end. We think of heaven and hell or in the words of Randy Travis, forever and ever, amen. That is what we usually think of when we say the words eternal life. And living forever is a topic that three out of every four Americans believe in, regardless of religious affiliation, regardless that they're practicing or not. Three out of four Americans actually believe in life everlasting or life after death. NBC News reported that in recent years, while religious participation is going down, belief in the afterlife is going up. Practicing believers of any religion, while that's all going down, Faith or belief in the afterlife is going up. Well, you should believe in the afterlife because we are eternal beings. In fact, C.S. Lewis said, There are no ordinary people you have never talked to a mere mortal. I want you to think about those who are in your family circles, those who are in your context, and 
those who are in your sphere of influence, and I want you to think about yourself, that we are eternal beings. And here's some biblical evidence to support that. First of all, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, the Bible says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. Why do we even think about the afterlife? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we even believe that there is a God or even have the question, does God exist? It's because that has been planted in the human heart. Secondly, when Scripture says that we are made in the image of God, this means that we are spiritual beings. We are conscious to God. We are capable of communion with our Maker. And our Maker is eternal. Third, the Bible doesn't speak of death in the sense of annihilation. The Bible speaks of death in the sense of separation. There's a physical death of the body, but our souls, our souls that are God-conscious will have an eternal destination. This is why the Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, Be afraid not of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, that's, that's serious stuff right there. And it's meant to teach us this morning that there is a life everlasting and we will either be in fellowship with God Almighty because we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to be our covering for our sin or we will be separate from God forever because we have trusted in ourselves to do for us what we cannot do. And so with that intro, let's see what 1 John teaches us about eternity. 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, and then we're going to look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And I believe these will be on the screen, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. God's Word says, The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that, watch this, he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Likewise, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 says, and we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and watch it again, and He is eternal life. Lord, nobody deserves a pedestal but you today. God, may your name be lifted up, for it is the only name by which we can have heaven and eternal life. And I pray, O oh Spirit of God, that you would guide us into all truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. First point is this, Jesus is eternal life. Notice that the scripture said twice there in 1 John, Jesus is eternal life. Eternal in the sense that he has no beginning or end. Eternal in the sense that Jesus is God. He is divine. That the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, we proclaim to you who existed from the beginning. There is no beginning, no end of Jesus, for Jesus is God. He is eternal. And then life, speaking of eternal life, life in the sense that no existence happens outside of Jesus. In fact, Colossians 1.16 tells us that for through Jesus, through Him... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. This means that eternal life is Jesus, and Jesus is eternal life. Again, for the sake of repetition, for what's important, Jesus is not just an eternal being. 
In fact, 1 John 1 and 5 say that he is eternal life, which means no divine relationship with God or no existence by God happens outside of Jesus. This is why we sing with his name. This is why we pray in his name and minister in his name and tell you that his name is the name above all names because there is no divinity and there is no life existence by God that happens outside of Jesus. Now, listen, because this is important. In broad terms, the unchurched generally reject the necessity of repenting of sin and accepting Jesus as Savior. Meaning, in broad terms, outside of the Christian church, those that would believe in the afterlife would reject the idea that the afterlife is only through faith in Jesus Christ. And they would instead believe that it's through good deeds that a person can earn his way into heaven. And while it may make sense for us to think that way, because we have to earn what we keep, and we have to put forth effort, and we have to work for everything, and so it may make sense that we have to work and be good enough to earn heaven, the Bible says there is salvation in no one else. There is heaven, there is no eternal life, and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Meaning, no other name is listed as the name that is eternal life. That's it. So when you hope, and I'm serious because many times when we have a conversation of if you died tonight and you stood before God, and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? Many times that answer in talking with people is something to the effect of, I've been a good person. I've tried to do my best to be right and be good with family and friends and in business and in all my dealings. I've tried to do what's right. These are all works that are based on you and, and things that you've done. And when our answer is that we are betting on ourselves and our goodness towards eternal life, we have just made our name more important than the name of Jesus. That's what's really happened. You have, in effect, what you said, if that's the answer to eternal life, you have, in effect, said that your name is eternal life. And that everybody else can be saved by you, too. That it's through you, you can be right with God. Because we're not talking, we're not talking about getting stronger so that you can play ball. We're not talking about getting an education so that you can get a degree or a job. We're talking about life eternal. How big and bad do we think we actually are? But it's not that we think that we're big and bad. It just makes sense to us that we have to do something in order to be right with God. And truly, when we have that attitude, when someone asks you about why you should get into heaven and you say anything relative to, I try to be a good person, whether you are religious or not, you are essentially saying, my name is eternal life. I have life because of me. Well, you weren't born because of you. If my phone is locked and you want to open up my phone and get to all my contacts and pictures and all that kind of stuff, if you want to open my phone, you're going to have to get the password from me because that phone belongs to me. I mean, we could take this further and say you can get the password from my children and from my wife because they are in a relationship with me. But eternal life belongs to God. 
Therefore, if you want the password to get into heaven and eternal life, it belongs to God, and the password is J-E-S-U-S. That is one name under heaven by which we must be saved. The Bible says twice in 1 John, Jesus is eternal life. John 5, 26, the Father has life in Himself. That answers the question of where does God come from? God is who He is. He has life in Himself. And He has granted this same life-giving power to His Son. That's what the Bible says. Meaning this, you don't have eternal life if you don't have Jesus. And you can fight God on that all you want. And you can reason out because there's other religions, because people reject the truth. Or you can be glad that Jesus is the only one who did for you what you cannot do for yourself. For He is the only one who took the work away from you and did the work for you. And so instead of fighting Him on all these things and asking Him all these questions and why He should have made eight different ways why people can be saved, He made one simple, serious way for the world to be right with Him through His Son, His life, death, and resurrection. I don't have to work for eternal life because Jesus worked for me. And if you think God is unfair... Because many people believe something different. And maybe we think across the world not everybody believes this. And so that's unfair. Because God to make one plan and then all these other folks believe other things. God's been trying to get the good news to them since the beginning of the world. And Christians, he's called me and you to be a part of that plan too. We're plan A to get the gospel to the rest of the world. If we really are sad for people that don't know him, we will do something about it. We will become part of this gospel-moving plan to get good news to people that have not heard it or have not yet believed. So instead of questioning God, believe in God and start working for Him. We may waste a lifetime arguing with God. Eternal life is Jesus, is what the Bible says. And eternal life is through Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Did you hear that? So that we might have eternal life through Him. There will be, there will be many that reject the good news, many that reject the gospel. And it's by the grace of God that we get to hear it today. We have a way to heaven because of Jesus' work on earth. Jesus lived and he died and he rose again to reveal God to man and to make a way for man to God. He is the way, he is the gift, the Bible says, from God unto man for salvation, for being right with God, for busting heaven wide open. Jesus is that gift. Well, how do you receive that gift that is Jesus? By turning from sin and turning to God and placing faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. And believing that He is the way to eternal life and that you are not. But it's as serious as dealing with your sin. Knowing that He paid the price for you to be forgiven. And so we are to turn from our sin and turn to God. And the Spirit of God is motivating you on the inside to do just that. And, and when we acknowledge all of this, heaven will be ours. It's the truth. You can't ignore the reward. Heaven will be ours. Sometimes I think we don't know if it's okay to say that or be excited about it. It's absolutely okay to be excited about it. But 
We sell all of this short when we limit eternal life to heaven. Now, Christians, long-time believers, I want you to hear this today. Those who, who would even say that they have checked the box and that they are Christian, I want you to hear this today. We sell eternal life short when we make it all just about heaven. Most of us think of eternal life as life that will not end. And what the Bible will teach you is that eternal life can already begin now. Eternal life can already begin right now. How so? Because eternal life is not limited to a characteristic, it is a quality. Eternal life is not limited to just the characteristic of living forever. It is a quality of life that exists because of divinity. Now, when you have a vehicle in mind, and you are thinking about purchasing a used vehicle or a new vehicle, how long will it drive is a desirable characteristic, right? You don't want to take it off the lot and it's going to drive you for a month and you're going to have to take it back. When you are purchasing a vehicle, being the vehicle is able to drive for a long time is desirable for sure because you want a vehicle that will last. But y'all, that's only one characteristic of a vehicle. Just as high mileage is a characteristic of a reliable car, foreverness is only one characteristic of eternal life. And besides, foreverness is just a characteristic of eternal life as it is a characteristic of eternal separation. So length of existence is not the defining characteristic of eternal life. Eternal life is divine spiritual life. And you can have that right now. You can have life right and aligned with God right now. Spiritual life alive to God. And because this is what it is, divine spiritual life is more about how it will be rather than how long it will last. Folks, this is discipleship right here. Because a lot of times we want Jesus so we can have heaven. But when I tell you that you can have heaven on earth in alignment with God, sometimes we're like, no, we'll just take heaven. Because real eternal life really can happen right now. And because, again, what it is is divine spiritual life, it's more about how this life will be rather than how long it will last. Listen, Jesus is not just high mileage. Jesus is safe, fast, affordable, functional, comfortable, economical, reliable, and efficient. See, you get all those things. You don't get just one thing. You get all those things. And he's functional now. He's comforting now. He's reliable now. He is efficient now. All of these things can be yours for the price of, just kidding, all of these things can be yours right now. My relationship with Jesus doesn't begin when I get to heaven. I have a right relationship with God right now. Jesus sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He's alive and well. I can pray to Him. I can follow Him. I can trust Him. He will speak to me through His Word, through His Spirit. And so all that doesn't have to begin later. Eternal life begins right now. See, when you look at eternal life this way, as in a class or kind of life, and not just the distance of life, all of this can be yours today. What you thought you had was heaven. What God's trying to give you now is a right relationship and the power and the spirit and the leading and lordship of God right now. But what happens to many Christians 
is that as long as we know the, drive, the car will drive forever, we're going to take care of the rest of it ourselves. Now that will preach. As long as we know we're going to get to heaven, and some of us hope we just slide in right under the door, it don't even matter. As long as we're going to get heaven, we'll just take the rest of it ourselves, Lord. Thank you for saving us. We got it from here. Man, grow up. Grow up. And let God teach you how much more we can have of an abundant life. I even thought about the, what I would say to those football players and cheerleaders and volleyball players coming in on Friday night as we close the deal. We are absolutely here to tell them that they can have heaven in Jesus Christ, but also they can have peace and joy in their life right now because of Jesus Christ. He will be your forgiver of sin. He will cover up that shame by His blood. He will give you a new direction right now. It's not just about the distance of heaven. It's about joy and peace on earth. The study that said fewer are religious but more believe in the afterlife. Remember that? Fewer are religious in practice but more believe in the afterlife. NBC News said this. Their finding said, It might be part of a growing entitlement mentality, thinking you get something for nothing. Y'all, how selfish is it that we want God to give us heaven, but we'll take our life back from Him? Well, as I see it, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We go over this all the time. It does not say whosoever calls upon the name of the Savior. You are calling on God not just to forgive you of the sins you've committed against Him, but you are calling on God to take you over. That is real salvation. Lordship salvation. And y'all, having God take you over is the best thing we could have. Can somebody in here... Agree with me that when I take this thing up into my own hands, I'll drive it right into a ditch. I need the Lord God Almighty over me to keep me from myself. When Jesus prayed, listen to this, it'll change the way you think about eternal life. It really will. When Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, 3, this is what he said. And this is the way to have eternal life. Y'all listening? And this is the way to have eternal life. You know what he said? To know you. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Do you know your Lord and Savior? Are you walking with God? Has this just been about heaven all along? Or do you want God where you stand right now? You see, eternal life is not knowing the length, it's knowing the Lord. And the Bible says in John eleven twenty six, Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. That's one of those verses we like to quote at a graveside or at a funeral. But it's not just believe. It is. It's as simple as believing. But what God is trying to get us to see is you can have God right now. And you won't have to take as much shame and regret and bad decisions along with you because you can have eternal life living in Jesus today. And man, when you blow it and you mess up, you got the grace of God covering you because you're with the Savior. Having divine spiritual life now can make all the difference in your days. Because if eternal life is class and a kind of living, then it's first class kind of living. And it's best kind of living because it's a relationship with Almighty God. Y'all know what a relationship is. You talk and you're considerate and you walk together. And you live and you laugh and you learn from one another. This is what a relationship is. Do you have heaven or do you know the one true God? 
Do you have eternal life? Eternal life is that a first class kind of life. It's that divine kind of life where God is making a difference in you. He is over you as your Lord and Savior. You're accountable to Him. You don't just thank God for heaven and your food. You go back to God when you've blown it and you thank God for when He keeps you from blowing it. This is a right relationship with God. We're talking about days without wandering, days without regret, and days with assurance, and days with satisfaction. See, I, I, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm going to bust heaven wide open. You know why? Because I'm a preacher. Absolutely not. You know why? Because I've been going to church all my life. Nope. I've been baptized. Nope. I'm going to bust heaven wide open because I couldn't do the work, and Jesus did the work for me. And I've acknowledged Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I talk to Him daily. And I call on Him daily. And I worship Him. And I learn from Him. And He is my Lord and my Savior. And as I've learned and even relearned this week, it's not heaven I'm going to have in a while. i got eternal life right this moment. What about you? What about you? Man, I, I can't imagine staying too long where life eternal is unsettled in my heart. Where I'm just not sure and hopefully I'll come back next week and nothing happens and I'll be able to make that decision. I'll be able to turn everything over then. Listen, it's going to be the same next week. Finally, eternal life looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Now I want you to understand this. First John is trying to get Christians to be assured of their salvation. Not go back and forth hoping we got it, but to know we got it and to know why. An eternal life looks like Jesus. In your life, if your life looks like Jesus, that's one way to know you've got heaven. It's one way to know you have eternal life right now. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Can you imagine... I mean, it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment. Like, we'll stand before God. And even as I think about that, knowing who I am is just like fear and trembling. Amen? To think that we would stand before the Ancient of Days, Almighty God, the Alpha and the Omega. To think that we would stand before Him, but I will not stand alone. Because the blood of Jesus covers me. And when I look to myself, there's nothing but shame and God should take me out right now. But what he will see is the covering over me. He will see that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And that's why we should have confidence before God. Confidence will make all the difference in your day, by the way. Ministering, witnessing, living, confidence will make a difference in your day. I remember being at college and, and I signed up late for a uh, class that I very much needed. And for those of you that know me, being late is something I'm really good at. Fashionably late, but late. So I was late signing up for a class, and, and I remember talking to my advisor, and he was like, well, here's the deal. You're too late to sign up for the class, but you can go sit outside this professor's office. I'm sorry. You can go sit outside this professor's class, and when he comes out, you ask him to let you in, and if he does, you're in, and we'll sign you up. I was like, okay. So I went to the Haley Center at Auburn University. I'm sitting in there, and I, I'm sitting outside the door, and there's others with me. And I'm thankful for people are sinners like me as they're sitting, like, sitting with me around that door, and there's three or four or five of us. And this is a class, being an education major, we really needed to get and get right then. 
And there was a break in the class because it was long, and the teacher pops out. And I'll never forget it because he, he looked like Mr. Clean. He had a bald head and an earring in one of his ears. And uh, I remember, it was a great teacher, great professor. And he came out, and he knew what we were doing there all of a sudden because we're all sitting there without any confidence at all. And we're looking at him like a, a child looks at a parent going, I'm so sorry, we should have registered early, right? No confidence that we would get in. And he said to us, he said, I know why you're here, and I'm going to let you in my class, but it's going to be a lot of work, and you're going to have to get after it because we want you to come out of here educators, and I'm assuming right now when you come in, you're going to learn and you're going to apply it. Yes, sir. We went in for the last half of the class and stayed in that class, one of the best, best classes I've ever taken. If the Lord were to come back today, where would he find you? If the Lord were to come back today, would he find you, one, feeling that you are in the class, but you know you're actually sitting outside the classroom? Would he, too, be, find you sitting outside the classroom hoping to get in? Three, would he find you being in the class, but you're not acting like a student? You want to spend some time on that one or just keep on going? Finds you in the class, but you're not, you're not taking notes, you're not living to apply, you're not paying attention. It's like you're running things, and you're just buying time till you get to heaven. Or number four, you are in the class, taking notes, learning to apply, participating in the leadership and authority of that teacher. You see, church, only one of those carries confidence with it. Only one of them. It may be false confidence for you to sit outside the classroom and feel like you've been good enough, but know the truth of God's word and know you're not getting in. It's false confidence. Or maybe you're sitting outside the classroom and you want to get in, but you don't think God would ever forgive you. I promise you that if God would forgive me, he can forgive you. And I know a lot of folks in here, if God would forgive them, he'll forgive you. We're all the same. We are distant in our sin from God. And you may think to yourself, I want to be on the inside, but there's no way that I can be. And you're exactly right. There's no way that you can be in and of yourself. And that's why God did it for you. That's why God gave of himself and sent his son to die in your place of death that you deserved. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to be in class. But you know what happens when you, when you come to church and they're preaching the Bible and you know you're on the inside? but you're not living it when you leave out of here, there's no confidence in that. In fact, it was just like me, some of those college years, I'd go on a Thursday night to a college campus, I'd hear a preacher preach the Word of God, and my head just drop in conviction. Because I knew the Lord. And God had saved me, and I had a testimony, and He was working on me. But there were so many times where I took that work back. And there's no confidence in that. That's why many of us talk to pastors and counselors about our salvation and why we're in and out of, of living right because there's sin in our life and it causes doubt and doubt leads to being not confident about your salvation. There's only one of those that carries confidence because eternal life looks like Jesus. When we are living like Jesus, we're confident before God. Now some of y'all could say amen, but you're so humble you won't. 1 John is about evangelism to the lost, but it's also about assurance to the saved. We have confidence in heaven when we live like Jesus on earth. Did y'all hear that? We have confidence before God when we live like Jesus before men. 
This is the teaching of the Scripture. Some of us don't like the question, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Because we're not living like heaven, we're living like hell. And when somebody asks that question, we don't like it, and we're offended when a Christian witnesses to us who is also a Christian. Well, when you're not living like a Christian, guess the kind of question you're going to get? You're going to have people ministering to you to see if you're really saved. God help me, I don't ever want ever anybody to ask me that question in my life. I want them to know that I follow the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my pride and joy. But we get offended that someone would have the gall to ask us, are we really right with God? Well, you know what sin does? Sin makes you really look lost. And so people are concerned and care about you to the point where they could care and could be concerned about your eternal life. How dare them offend you like that? Give me a break. This verse is is written in the context of love. Man, did somebody wake up to the, uh, the, that point? Somebody's reaching out to you. You got somebody being almost to the point of annoying you because they love you and don't want you to go to hell? Well, my goodness, shame on them. It's because they care. It's because they see into your life and know there could be more. People are ministering to you because they want you to turn loose of yourself and take hold of God. This verse is, again, as I move on, <laughs> this verse is written in the context of love. The Bible says in 1 John, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. And God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. See, living in God results in loving like Jesus. And when you love like Jesus as you live in God, there is confidence before God our judge. Now in my notes, because my mama's here who's told me before this, I have a note that says slow. So I'm going to read that one more time. Not because she can't pick it up, it's because I talk too fast. Living in God results in loving like Jesus. And when you love like Jesus as you live in God, there is confidence before God our judge. Living in God doesn't look like religious observance. You may have not missed church in a while. That don't mean you're living in God. I know I can sit right there sometimes and not pay attention to a lick of what's being said. Some of y'all are like, amen, brother. <laughs> That's all I've heard. <laughs> don't amen that. But living in God doesn't look like religious observance. There are some that are, are truly betting their eternal life based on their church attendance. That's real. They're, they're betting their eternal life based on, again, things that they've done. But living in God doesn't look like religious observance. And it also doesn't look like anything goes. That's not living in God. Give me a break. That living in God is whatever and however. If there's one point that we made repetitiously, it's that God is not whatever and however. So there are riverbanks and guardrails and standards that we live and love within. Living in God and loving like Jesus looks like selfless, sacrificial, reasoned out love from a desire to obey the Father. That is what living in love looks like. That it will turn loose of itself, that it will lay its life down, that it is choosing to love because it wants to be obedient, because we know how God has loved us. And when we were at our worst, God is at His best. And this is not sinless perfection. I want you to understand this. As the Scripture says, a maturing love is our love grows more perfect. It's not that once we get saved, we've arrived into all this and, and we know that we, we've made it perfect. Listen, uh, my wife and I are in a right relationship. 
with each other. And we love one another. And our love is not perfect, but it has matured since we got married. I can tell you that. And because it has matured in our marriage relationship, that means that we have a right relationship, and that's how we know we are in a relationship. Because that love is growing. God showed how much He loved us by sending His Son. We show how much we love God by following His Son. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Heaven is not just a place we're going, but a Savior that we represent. See, it can't feel good to you. It can't feel good to you to say that you've got heaven, but know that you are not living like Jesus. It can't. Now, you, you, you may pat yourself on the back because you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but you've learned this morning that eternal life is more than just heaven. It's a quality of divine life, first-class kind of living because you are right and walking with God. The Scripture says in 1 John 2, 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you've got a pen or a pencil, you need to underline that verse of Scripture because that verse of Scripture, probably more than any other, God's Spirit uses this to convict my life over how and where it should be. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And when Jesus is our pattern and practice, we can be confident of salvation. You want to come in here next week and be confident of what you got? Live like Jesus from Monday to the next Sunday. One pastor said this, you won't have any assurance problem if you're growing and developing in your relationship with Jesus. You know, for some of us, truth be told, it's not that we need to talk with a pastor again about our salvation. It's not we need to grow up. Let me close with another verse relative to eternal security. We've quoted this probably every week in this series, 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. And this is what God has testified. If you ought to be able to trust the word, it should be the word of God. This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. It's a gift. And this gift, this life, is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. And I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Some people may think that you are boastful to claim that you're going to heaven when you die. Even ask the question, well, how can you know? Well, when you have Jesus, you have eternal life. Well, how do I know that I have Jesus? I think that's the question we want to ask and answer. How do I know that I have Jesus? This is written in the context of belief. Whosoever has the Son. You see, it's also written against the background of those who left the church. They said that they had Jesus, didn't line up with the Word and Spirit of God, and so they left to do something on their own. Do you believe that Jesus is your Savior and Lord? Have you yourself personally called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? And not just towards the promise of heaven, but towards the practice of obedience on earth. That when you are calling upon Jesus to save you, you understand that you are calling upon Jesus to take you over. Towards a real relationship with God. Because that is eternal life. If you believe Jesus, you don't do it to gain heaven. But you believe his way is better to live. And live in eternal life. If you have never heard a message like this before. You know one time I went to, I went to a church and preached somewhere else before. And basically preached the gospel. And someone made the comment afterwards that we've never heard preaching like that. And I thought, what kind of preaching have you heard? <laughs> this, is what's, this is what's in here. 
And, and what stands between man and God and a relationship with God forever is sin. And everybody in here has sin, from the pastor to the prisoner. We've all got it. And the wages of sin, what we earn for that sin is death. And sin stands between. It keeps us separate from God. Luke 16, gosh, if there's any verse of Scripture that should shake you, Luke 16 describes the continued existence of both the poor man and the rich man. And the poor man who had faith in the Lord, his existence was continued past death. And it's described in Scripture as a heavenly banquet where comfort abounds. And then the rich man who trusted in himself, his existence continued in what is described as the place of the dead, where anguish and torment remains. There'll be a day when it's too late. And this is real, the real picture that God gives us. If you would turn from yourself and turn to God by believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't have to worry about torment and anguish because you will have eternal Let's stand to our feet. Today, let the day be the day. Let the song be what it is. Today is the day of your salvation. Hey, if you're ready, then why not? When we open this up, we're going to start to sing. I'm going to pray, and then there'll be an invitation. And these aisles are open, and this altar is open. You can pass right on by me, and you can call upon the name of the Lord at this altar. You can call upon the name of the Lord where you sit. We're just here to help you. If you got questions, why don't you come and see us? If you need to make sure that you are right with God and you have eternal life, why don't you come talk to us? All you got to say is, is five simple words. I need to be saved. That's all you got to say. We would love to help you this morning. Folks, if you've been Christians for a long time, why don't you pray during the invitation? Why don't you pray during the music? You can sing for sure, but make sure that you're praying for other people. If you want to join this church today, if you want to be baptized and take the next steps towards obedience... We're here to help with that. And you can catch us on the way out, but I want you to know right now and right here, we're here for you. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your son. Thank you for making a way for our eternal life, Lord. And as even now, people are going back and forth between what to do with this. I pray, oh God, that they would lose themselves to follow you. Lord, if they don't know all the answers to all the questions, I pray, oh God, that they would just trust that you were the way. Lord, I pray right now, even right now, that people are calling upon your name to be saved. Lord, and I ask that you would give them the courage to reach to the church and follow up with baptism, follow up with a confession of faith, God, that all these things will be going on right now. Lord, we are grateful for your word that you revealed yourself to us. And I pray, oh God, today that before we leave here that there would be such an urgency on our heart to respond to you, oh God. And I thank you, oh Lord, for my own salvation and I thank you, Lord, for the salvation of so many here. And it is my prayer, oh God, that we would realize that eternal life is now and walk with you, live in you as we believe in you. Lord, thank you so much again for this church and what you're doing in our midst. We pray now as we worship and sing that we would worship in spirit and truth and respond with a genuine heart. 
In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you.
Come back next week and do the same thing. Uh, I want to let you know the invitation doesn't close. If, if you need to talk before you get out of here or you'd like to talk this week, why not indicate it on that card and put it in the bucket or send us an email, reach to us through us online. Uh, we'd love to talk with you and follow up. We have three baptisms coming up next Sunday. I think there's two more coming up the first or around the 1st of August. And so if you're thinking about that and you want to talk more about it, come and see us after the, the service is over, all right? Uh, we want to tell you about our next uh, Together event that we have with our other campuses coming up at the beginning of August. This video. All right, so what's up? We are at Point Mallard, and we are going to give you all the information you need uh, for family night here at Point Mallard based off of what number this group gives us. The number they give us, we're going to go down this sign, and we're going to do the next announcement based off the number they give us to match with this sign. All right, and y'all chosen which number? Three. 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 Where are you guys from? Decatur. Decatur. All right, that's a long ways away. We're glad you guys are out here at Point Mallard today. they chosen three. Three is one, two, three, the Olympic pool. So we're on the way to the Olympic pool to give you our first announcement. All right, so we want to invite you out Sunday night, August the 8th, from 630 to 930 here at Point Mallard in Decatur, Alabama. Hope to see everybody there. Hey, and now we've got uh, some park staff here to let us know uh, our next stop in our announcements. And I'm here with Cameron Harris. Cameron. Cameron, tell me, uh, pick a number 21 and 7. Let's go with 5. 5. All right. That is, oh, good choice. The Sky Pond. We'll see you there. So we're going to have two tickets free per family. And after that, the tickets are going to cost you $10 per person. All right, and so I'm going to get my next marching orders from this lady right here. Tell us your name. Gretchen Crop. All right, Gretchen, so you need to pick a number between 1 and 7, and it's going to be where I'm going to be presenting our next announcements. Okay. Number 4. Number 4. All right, so 1, 2, 3, 4. I will be at the Duck Pond. Thank you so much, Miss Gretchen. You're welcome. And so with your two free tickets, we want you to be really intentional. If you've got a family or some friends that God has laid on your heart that you want to see be a part of what we're doing here, give them those free tickets, and then you go ahead and buy those tickets at full price to $10 for you and the rest of your family. Hey guys, we got a few complaints about some horseplay in the pools. I don't know, but we gotta ask y'all to leave. That's not tolerated here. 
I told y'all that's what we do all week. Oh, there's another part. That, sorry, I thought that was before. My bad. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, so that's coming up. Don't forget about Point Mallard. You can actually, at the main campus, you can sign up and get your tickets uh, beginning this Wednesday night and then the following Sundays after that. And so we uh, hope you'll do that and join us at Point Mallard. It's a good time. Just a few other things here. Um, secondly, our, our children's ministry is a great opportunity to serve the Lord. We keep this in front of you all the time. I truly believe that God continues to bless Lindsay Lane uh, and, and the people that are here. Why would God continue to send us more families if we won't take care of them, church? So I'm, I'm encouraging you now to consider that and to help take care of your church family. Sign up. The children's ministry needs a two-year-old teacher, a second-grade teacher. Uh, you can send your information to Lori Carter, Lori at lindsaylane.org, and we'd love to hear from you. Finally, our Give to Go missions offering is coming up in October. We don't want you to forget about that as it will support our missions budget for the next year. Next week, we're going to talk about missions as we, uh, we dive into the scriptures, and we're going to do a little Q&A with... Brother Eric and Nacho, our current interim uh, missions pastor. And so uh, we'll do that next week and we invite you back in. So we just don't want you to forget that. There's all kinds of things going on. We thank you for being here. We hope you have a great week. We're going to see you Wednesday night. I'm going to be at those double doors if you want to talk before we leave. Let me pray for us as we dismiss, all right? Lord, thank you so much again for allowing us to be here in freedom today. We ask, oh God, that you would give us wisdom. And Lord, give us discernment as we live in you this week. Father, I pray if there be one or many that are still not certain about their hope, God, that it would be settled today. Thank you for this church. Please continue to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.